Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Uh, all right, Dean, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is 2022 okay. the year of RFID? Yes. 2022 yeah, oh, is okay. the year for RFID. Is that bold enough? Was I, was I, I strong I, enough in my commitment? I That's a bold proclamation. I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to revisit this at the end of the year and see if you're right. Uh, well, our guest today is going to back me up, maybe? I don't know. I, okay. I hope so. This has been a running gag, obviously, for a long time. It has this been. year, it the RFID been. year. That's and right. I think we've finally kind of reached that consensus where it's not going to be this big replacement to all things barking, right. but a nice supplement has its use cases. And we're going to get into some of those use cases and some industries that can really benefit, in particular manufacturing and warehouse logistics. Uh, as you mentioned, we got Pete Collins with us today from A to B Tracking. He's going to talk with us a little bit about how you make the pitch for RFID over barcoding or alongside of it, you know, depending on your situation, how important it is to have a strategy for implementing RFID. Mm-hmm. You know, what should you look for in your partnerships in order to implement a strategy? He's yep. going to tell us a little bit about his approach to RFID. And we'll also have a little fun conversation about some other stuff going on warehouse around cobots and those autonomous robots and how they fit in the RFID picture too. So I think we got some fun topics to cover today. Absolutely. A good one. Yep. All that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right. So as I mentioned, our guest today, Pete Collins, is the A to B Tracking Solutions founder, president, and CEO. See, this is why we do this podcast, so we can bring in people like you that clearly know more about our topic than we ever will. So so thank you for joining us today. Uh, Pete, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this business? How did you end up finding A to B? Hey, uh, thanks for having me, guys. So um, pleasure to be here. So A to B Tracking is actually a company that's now 28 years in business. And I, I founded it back in the mid nineties. Um, the, the core focus at the time was really to focus more on the software piece of tracking technologies, because we felt as though the industry was doing a great job of introducing auto ID technologies, barcode, and now eventually RFID and many more that can surround that whole sphere. But we thought the software piece was, was crucial in adding the uh, level of intelligence needed to make business value, business sense out of it. Today, our focus is in the market. We are, our 100% focus is on building a market leading asset management and inventory control software platform in the cloud that allows customers to use mobile RFID readers, fixed RFID reading capability, autonomous RFID robots, we'll get into a little bit that later on here, uh, known as AMRs, to manage and track the movement of assets and inventory throughout their organization, oftentimes in manufacturing and warehouse environments. Now, I just have to do a quick plug here, guys, because um, AutoID kind of runs in the blood uh, (laughs) here for A to B tracking, meaning that um, I had a father who uh, is you know, still with us and he's um, doing great. And he is one of the early um, innovators in auto ID technology. Uh, his name's David Collins. And he goes back to implementing auto ID in the form of the earliest barcode uh, back in the 1950s on railroad cars wow. and wow. went on to innovate some of the earliest barcode scanners that exist uh, that we know about from the 60s into the 70s. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> you know, it does run in the blood in my family, literally. Uh, and uh, auto ID is is just sort of part of what I've always been around. So here I am. Well, I was going to ask awesome. if he was a part of the first scan that happened at that grocery store with the Wrigley's gum. You know, was was he on the scanner there? Or? No, he was very familiar <laughs> with that. But his his application actually precedes that by, I don't know, at least a decade or more. Yeah. Uh, because the first problem they were solving with auto ID was railroad cars. Hmm. So you'd get railroad cars flowing up and down the coast and across country, but they were these big boxes, big, big boxes that you didn't know what the heck was in them mm-hmm. and where they were at any given time. So they created this system called CarTrack, which goes back to the late 50s, 
where you mount a huge reader, um, basically a light array to track big mounted barcodes vertically, vertically mounted on railroad cars. So every time they'd pass that point, it would detect the car where it wasn't in a given time. Technology worked. Cool. Yeah, the technology worked really well. So the railroads hated it. <laughs> of course. They never wanted to be held accountable to the fact that they were going to make the shipment late and it was on them. So uh, I'm just yeah, going to leave I that see. there. Oh, darn. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I always, I always love hearing about those practical use cases that somebody found for something that that no one else was needing or wanting or had a reason to do. They found a practical use case and suddenly it becomes a de facto standard for everything across the world, you know? Mm. So I like that. That's a good, that's a good origin story, if you will, for, for you and your dad and, and A to B tracking. So, Thanks. well, hey, let's get into this, this conversation then about RFID when it comes to manufacturing and warehouse. Um, this was kind of the angle you, you thought we should really tackle here and get into. So I'll, I'll let you start with a simple place here. Let's make the pitch for RFID either over or alongside barcoding in, in manufacturing and warehousing. Where do you think is the, what's, what's the reason that someone should be, should be doing this versus what they've always been doing? Yeah, great question. So let me first frame the fact that I'm going to be talking about passive RFID okay. or in the standards uh, realm, we're talking about RAIN RFID. Hmm. So not active, not battery powered, really focused on just RAIN and passive. Um, so with that being said, you know, our experience is when we go into customer environments, you know, they, they're always kind of this underlayer of, of a question in their mind is that, is RFID just another data collection technology like barcode? Mm. And the answer, the fact is, is that yes, it, it is just another data collection technology, but it's much, much more powerful. So the first thing recognizing, and I'm sure everybody on, who listens to these podcasts probably know to some degree when you pull a trigger and you try and scan and you're surrounded by RFID tags, you're going to catch hundreds of tags in, in seconds. Mm -hmm. Now, that's exciting, but it also is a little scary at the same time. So RFID needs to be properly harnessed in order for the implementation to go well. So from that perspective, it is profoundly different. When you've got handheld readers, when you've got fixed readers and autonomous robots moving around, literally reading thousands and thousands of tags per second, what do you do with all that data? I'll come back to that. So okay. here's the deal with, with RFID. So I, I absolutely now with the years of, of seeing RFID implemented in customer environments, I believe it is a game changer. So why do we say that? Our number one measuring stick is our customers here at A to B. And here's why they're saying that. So managing something physical, that's important enough, right? To track it in an organization. It could be, you know, something that's critical to keeping an operations running. It could be a customer shipment that is really timely. It's a high stakes game, right? For all these companies that we serve today with the technology. So, how and where to find that critical asset or inventory is a very fluid environment where things are constantly moving or changing or growing legs and walking away is actually hard. And what's with today's RFID, it's about accuracy of where an item is, and it's about time savings of getting it, getting to it as a primary motivator. You know, using mobile computers in the A to B tracking platform we've taken the use of this notion of a Geiger counter to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And we've created a feature that we call ProLocate that allows users to walk around the warehouse and find an item in just a few minutes, if not seconds, right? Something that could literally have taken hours and or days in the past, even using a basic barcode system. So barcode obviously does not have this special radio seeking capability period. They just, it's, it's not there. And that's just one example. Um, it's also about efficient data collection too, right? Yep. So in the past, an inventory, even using barcode could take weeks for an organization. So it, with even up to months with, you know, geographically separate facilities where you've got warehouses, now an organization can accomplish 
a full wall-to-wall -wall inventory literally in just days with a very high degree of accuracy and a limited amount of labor. And to me, that is a big game changer for an organization. We call it a 30 times return on labor. Hmm. So for certain time-consuming functions that could take up to 30 days, like performing that inventory, it could, be take, it could just take one or two days now. And then you add in, guys, autonomous readers to the picture, mm -hmm. and you get even more data collection points that take where stuff is flowing, and you focus in on accounting for those items to a much smaller geographic area, maybe a section or a zone inside a warehouse, for instance. So really autonomous readers will be positioned at key choke points. You might imagine ship and receiving docks in and out of buildings between departments uh, where material would logically move around and where IT equipment could even move around inside of the office. All of these are where autonomous reading comes into play. So you, you've got data collection points without any human involvement, which is one of the big things and differences. Now, between RFID and barcode, I should add. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, remember the thing I always say, barcode and RFID will always live alongside each other mm -hmm. for decades to come because there are certain functions RFID is not good for. So one example is like, imagine you've got items in, going into a warehouse and you want to put them away to a specific location in a bin, right? RFID is not the answer for that. You've got to have a one-to-one -one relationship, just like barcode, so that you're scanning items to a specific location. Mm -hmm. So there are things like that that will make it always coexist together in these areas. Let's let's unpack a couple of the things there, Peter. You brought on a lot of good things there that maybe we could dive into to a couple of them. Let's let's go into the workforce or the label uh, labor aspect of RFID and some of the efficiencies uh, that the technology brings. Because we all know, we all hear about how workforce issues are being compounded right now, not just due to the pandemic or uh, and all the other factors that are going into it, but. But, but it's a reality, right? Whether you're a manufacturer, whether you're a distribution center, uh, there's an issue there. So when I hear you say stuff like, you know, there's a 30X efficiency rating that can be achieved when you implement RFID in certain ways within a, a particular facility like that, that's really compelling, right? Uh, that gets to the whole business case of why RFID, when you add into the fact that tag costs are coming down, have been plummeting, well, have been really lowering year after year after year, yeah. that business case, you know, it, it gets a little bit easier to make. Would you agree? I, I totally agree. And, and I, I'll add that the fact, you know, companies that are understanding this dynamic, um, that tag prices have come down, reader technology continues to expand and approve different ways of reading, mounting, um, you know, tunnels being built so that items can flow between and you've got great control over these choke points now. All of this is evolving much more so than it was five years ago, even three years ago. So with, with that being said, I think what's important to recognize is the timing on this and the labor challenges in the market really are amplifying the need for this technology. And the thing I'll say about for any, you know, VARs that are out there that are looking at, okay, do I want to represent this? Is that, remember, these companies are going to come, you know, hot and heavy, meaning like they're going to say, we want this technology and how quickly can you get it implemented? And this is not just a simple drop-in technology mm -hmm. and, you know, within, you know, a week and, you know, now it's, now you're good to go, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. No. wouldn't that be great? There's always a lot of process considerations to think about when implementing RFID because it changes the way these organizations have to think about their process, sometimes in a profound way. But that doesn't mean that you need to become process experts. You just need to help them realize when they're implementing this Yes, it's going to save them on labor over the long haul, but also it's going to help change the way they think about their business, the way that they go about their workflows and their processes, and that that's going to be an organically thing that's going to grow over time, maybe a few years, but they will be in a much better place for the long haul, for when all these supply chain issues and labor issues come around again.
Yeah, it's a really good point, Pete, uh, in the sense of the education that goes into the RFID sale. Maybe we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But uh, one other thing I wanted to unpack on, on some of the opening thoughts that you had there was around visibility, supply chain visibility, because, you know, we see a lot of uh, a lot of our customers are coming to it and their end users are not immune to what's going on in supply chain. I mean, they are getting a significant amount of pressure to have greater visibility on where products, supplies, components are in the process. Whether you're in food, whether you're in manufacturing, it doesn't really matter. There's a, there's a general need for more supply chain visibility. And to your point, where RFID, I think, has a really good fit is in some of those aggregate um, uh, needs for data, right? Uh, where, where things are, how they're moving, pallets by pallet or things like that. So uh, when you think about supply chain visibility, RFID, can, can have a significant impact there, correct? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, so, um, you know, we're dealing with lots of companies that are dealing with shipments going off to retailers, right? Mm -hmm. The Walmarts mm -hmm. of the world, for yeah. instance. And as, as we understand the business problem before we even think about the technology to solve it, right, we always want to hear about where are the key pain points. And a lot of the key pain points that keep coming back to us is that you know, it doesn't matter that we get a pallet out the door going to the right direction to the right end, you know, end customer. What's important is that we get the right pallet out the door going to the right end customer, mm. because it's all about supplier reputation mm -hmm. in a lot of these areas. And if you get the wrong product getting on that pallet, getting on that truck, you have a big problem downstream because your customer reputation will be tainted and you probably will incur some number of fines that's going to erode or eat away entirely at your margin that you're making. So it's all about not only knowing what's going on in your warehouse and where you have product, it, which feeds so many other facets too. Like when you can accurately understand your own inventory, you know what you need to be making further upstream, mm -hmm. right? That's what right. raw materials yep. you need to be procuring. But if you don't and you end up shipping the wrong product, you know, it starts to unravel really quickly. And what happens now is that there's a lot of mixing and matching of pallets that go on because, you know, certain retailers may oh, yeah. not just want one color. There's 15 colors to choose from. Mm -hmm. So you got to make sure the pallet gets packed correctly, gets on the right truck, gets out the door. And, and with, with labor challenges, man, that is tough to do if you are not using RFID. Yeah. RFID can be such a powerful tool in that situation, which is what we're seeing all the time. Yep. And I'll go a little bit further on some of that package verification or shipping verification. You know, when you think about supply chain visibility and and John, I know you know this as well. Our Tech Connect program, which we're going out and trying to find, you know, uh, the folks that are dealing with that are coming into our ecosystem. And I'm saying our ecosystem kind of collectively here uh, mm -hmm. from an ADC RFID uh, kind of perspective. We're getting a lot of AI folks that are coming in. You know, they're trying to apply that. And what do they need? Well, they need data. But a lot of times they're using the data to do just that package verification, shipping verification. You know, these are I don't want to call them easy, short putts, but it, but it's where some pain points are right now, just across multiple industries. And so when you think about it, it's a good place to, to, to have a conversation around RFID because it has some advantages when, when you get into that kind of verification process. Definitely. And, you know, that data part of things too, like that's, it's, it's hard enough to figure out what to do with the data when you have it. Mm -hmm. But if you got to spend a ridiculous amount of time figuring out how to get to collect that data, that's an mm -hmm. entirely different problem to solve right there too. Mm -hmm. So if you can simplify at least part of that, simplify and say, Hey, we can collect the data very quickly and easily for using RFID. And then someone comes along and helps you figure out how to do the analytics piece of it too. Awesome. At least, at least half of that is simple and not the entire process looks like a nightmare from start to finish. Like, no, you're going to have to individually count all these things. You're going to have to find and scan a bunch of barcodes. You're going to spend days, if not weeks, getting that part done. And then you're going to have to figure out what to do with all this data you've collected. Well, least, you know, that's let's a, simplify part of it. That's a really good point, John. I mean, when you think about it from a manufacturer's standpoint, you know, again, they're getting the pressure where there's this need for increased visibility into mm -hmm. their operation. And they maybe they already have barcoding already implemented throughout parts of their process, right? And they're thinking to themselves, well, I know how long it takes to do a cycle count, you know, yep. using the yep. technology I have today. How? 
you know, and now I got to lump on this additional visibility. Well, that's where maybe an RFID kind of into Pete. I love the fact that you say, yes, it's, it's a hand in hand technology, right? I mean, they're going to live together. There's certain use cases where RFID really kind of shines. And that that's one of those areas where it can help. So, yeah. Well, and let's be honest in this fast pace, deliver it as quick as possible insights as quick as possible world Mm -hmm. if you're saying like yeah the time it's going to take you to do this and the time it's going to take you to run that data is going to be maybe up to a week you know at the the fastest we can do it for you is in a week's time that's already five days too long probably for (laughs) for most people in the in the shipping and logistics industry like nope it's already too long you've already wasted our time our customers are already pissed off and going somewhere else so why even bother well Well, there's another here's one other market dynamic too i'll throw in guys which is the fact that um, you've got a lot of these manufacturers that are trying to get the right pallets to the right retailers. But the other part of the market, which is an enormous piece of this market, is how do these companies shift their operations so that they can handle direct to consumer, Mm, right? The whole direct to consumer Mm -hmm. is a whole different workflow, a whole different set of processes, and a whole different way in which you have to pick, pack, and ship within and let's use Amazon as the example, you know, within that very short time window to make sure you can make these prime commitments of two day delivery to door, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So all of that is, um, you know, compelling these companies to use data collection technologies like RFID to say, how do I now, you know, not only take the bigger pallet stuff going out, but also shift my operation so I know exactly what I can get to the right customer because, man, if you start screwing up those direct-to-consumer shipments, you know, consumers can be ruthless. And <laughs> new world of hurt, yeah. Right, right. We're yeah. all ready to give that one-star review just because our package showed up, you know, a day later than we expected. Yeah. 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 Or with or the wrong product in it, God forbid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it happened to me at Christmas time. I ordered something for my kiddo and like they kept sending me the wrong product. They sent me the wrong product the first time. So I sent it back, asked them to reship me. They reshipped me and it was the same wrong product again. I'm like, what, what's the <laughs> point of this? So, well then, so obviously at this point, if, if you're not sold on RFID, you should maybe just turn this podcast off and go somewhere else because I mean, come on, we, we've, I think we've made the, the case here pretty big by this point, but, but obviously making the case for RFID and implementing RFID for one of your customers, for instance, is two different things. So uh, Pete, talk to us about how important it is to have a strong strategy if you want to implement RFID and and what should you be looking for with software and hardware partners to help you get that implementation underway? Yeah, well, that's a great question. So getting getting the right hardware and software and the right partnerships in place is, is hugely important for all of this. Um, what we have seen and experienced over the years is that many resellers may try to provide what we call RFID in the box, you know, which is basically you throw a lot of components into a box and you ship it to a customer and like there, there's your, you know, there's your RFID deployment. Good luck. Right. right? It becomes a huge science project and there's lots of risk. There's lots of frustration. And honestly, like I can say it because I've seen it and been there and learned all the lessons. It's like there's a lot of failure associated with that model. So at A to B, we consider that the pieces all have to work together in order for this to work, right? The readers need to, let's let's just think about this, unpack it, right? Readers, readers need to detect a tag. Right. That's one thing like you're like, oh, basic. Right. But there's two very key important parts of that system right there. Then the license plate, the data itself needs to go somewhere. So there's got to be intelligent software in the middle, that middleware that needs to get it off to the right place. Now, once it gets to the right place, that data then needs to be distilled into a form that's meaningful to somebody who's trying to get the business value out of it. So the mm-hmm. intelligent application software has to be there. And we're not done yet because a lot of people have ERP systems. So there's a lot of, you know, of this data that needs to use an API, maybe to get back to an ERP system. So there's a lot of moving parts here. You know, there's a lot of them that are very well packaged now, though. That's the really important distinction. Mm-hmm. And it's available in the market. Don't let those moving parts intimidate you. Because with a lot of those moving parts, when you do it well, there's huge opportunity in the marketplace because companies or IT departments, they just can't do this themselves unless they are a mega massive company that might have 
a lot of free time in their IT department. Mm. And with security and everything, they just don't. They just don't. So be the expert in this area and and you're you know, you're gonna you're gonna reap lots of reward from it. But but I think he touched on all the components there that really do make it very, very important to conceptualize how this is going to be implemented, what the environment is. There's a lot of moving parts along the way. Really good points there. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what we preach all the time on this podcast, which is go in expecting to sell solutions of some Mm -hmm. sort. Yeah. Not, hey, here's here's your scanner. Here's your tags. Bye. See you later. Let me know. (laughs) Good luck. Let me know when you need more tags. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just doesn't work that way. We all know that. So if you've got to have that strategy, you've got to be ready to go in with a full solution. It, it's, uh, it, it's actually pretty fun. Let me just add one more. And that is that we get a lot of phone calls where they're like, yeah, um, we we just bought, uh, you know, 20 RFID readers from wherever, you know, and and the, the readers came in and they're like, gee, you know, we're not really sure what to do with them next. <laughs> you guys have any ideas? <laughs> so it gets back to my mantra of like how you implement this stuff is very nuanced in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, you imagine you've got a mobile reader in your hand and maybe you've driving it by a smartphone or a touch computer. You got to have the app software that is driving the data capture functions. If you've got a human involved so you don't want to just pull a trigger and like, you know, have it be like an automatic weapon that just fires into all directions. You need to be doing something meaningful. And that's where app software that connects to the cloud can be really powerful in helping to accomplish a physical inventory or to yeah. pick an item. Um, and the same is true with fixed readers. It's it's even more amplified to just not get the science project in a box shipped to you as a customer because at the end of the day, when you start putting these fixed readers in overhead, you know, like we, we walk in and there might be eight, 10 shipping receiving docks, right? All saddled right next to each other. How do you know that what is going through this particular shipping receiving dock is only capturing what's going through that dock and not capturing stuff on docks on either side of it, mm-hmm. but right with stray mm-hmm. reads and other things like that. So, it's those kind of nuances you really have to be understanding that, you know, this technology is, you know, untamed radio signal that that can be tamed, can be pulled back in when you go to deploy. And it's that ability to um, execute on that that's going to make the customer succeed or fail with it. Really. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Well, Pete, I, I'm told that you have a very common sense approach to RFID. I, I feel like that's kind of come out already, but tell us more about, you know, what that means to you. What is your common sense approach? Yeah. I mean, common sense RFID, it's, it's what we use. That's our mantra here. Um, the first thing is that I'll just say why we use it because it sends a clear message to the customer that this technology um, was invented and will be applied in a way that solves a business problem that will turn you know into value for the organization, right? Mm-hmm. So common sense RFID. And the underlying theme is that we just don't pursue science projects, right? The technology is far too evolved. People can imagine a lot with RFID and it can easily become a, sci- a very sciencey approach to try and implement something. So there's a historical stigma, in our opinion, with RFID that it can become a science project quickly. Mm-hmm. And we want to dispel that in customers' minds. Mm-hmm. Science projects, again, equal, you know, unpredictable and expensive. Exactly. Neither, right. are good. That's a, that's Neither are good. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, you- our, our foundation of common sense RFID really stems from the A to B tracking asset management and inventory control platform that lives in the cloud, right? It's its ability to connect to devices quickly, to be able to do meaningful things with the data quickly, to provide that business value, you know, with dashboard views of the data in, in a way that lets them see where pallets are moving or where IT equipment's being tracked, whatever the case may be, for two reasons. One is it's the time to value. So every organization's like, okay, if we apply this technology, how soon are we going to start reaping the gains on it? Mm-hmm. So, so our platform is we keep investing in how do we get faster time to value mm-hmm. for the customer? The second is predictable success. 
And again, that's always back to RFID is untamed until it's tamed. And, and that way it allows us to go in, you know, maybe do proof of concepts in some environments, get that uh, proof down and then, and then be able to deploy to scale. And so there's, there's a lot of that, but you know, the, it, it's the speed to deploy the predictable success for us that really wins the day over in these customers' minds. Yeah, and I had the the benefit of being at an executive summit with Pete, and, and I had some of your presentation there, Pete, and thanks again for doing that. I'm going to pick up on some of the things that you were talking about there that I think kind of ring true here. Uh, there were three things, actually, that you kind of pointed out at, at the time. Keep, an, keep a focus on performance, right? You're setting an expectation on, on read accuracy and things of that nature. You know, you really got to kind of stay focused on the performance aspect of, of what we're trying to build here and, and how RFID uh, comes into play and creating the clearer picture, right? It's all around the data management and the need to link the information that you're getting back into that real business value. Uh, that you're trying to build by augmenting maybe or uh, including new now RFID. And then the, I won't for, I'll never forget the chicken and egg, right? Uh, it's how it, RFID technology uh, integrates and improves the overall process. You got to keep those certain very commonsensical things, right? It's performance, it's clear, creating a clear picture on the data uh, and, and in implementing it into the uh, process uh, with due diligence, I guess, right? Common yeah. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Totally, totally agree. Well, again, if you if you're not sold on RFID by this point, I don't know. I don't know. Find something else to do in your industry because <laughs> I think Go we've back made to the Excel. case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, no doubt. Yeah. You know, it reminds me back in the day when I used to work at retail. Dean and you and I were talking about this like bookstore days twenty years ago, 15, 20, 25 years ago, and when we had to do uh, inventory in, and this is a small mall based bookstore. I don't know. Let's say maybe four or 5,000 books total in the whole place. But, you know, we had to bring in somebody from the outside on a Saturday night after hours to do all this scanning. There's all this stuff they would miss because books would be under shelves or in the back room or tucked away somewhere that someone forgot about. It was a extremely inefficient and unhelpful process for the most part. And I just, that's what I think of when I think of, you know, helping out with labor shortages and just making it simpler and easier to do this with something like RFID. So... Yeah. And that's it. Like I said, that's at a small scale compared to what you'd see in a giant warehouse or a manufacturing facility where you have a lot of stuff to keep track of. Or high value assets, right? I mean, kind of where people yeah, are oh, yeah, getting exactly. there. If you have a lot of high value assets and you got to do cycle count inventory for these types of things, it's it's a it's a natural fit there. A lot. Yep. So, yeah. Definitely. Well, Pete, let's wrap this part up by uh, shifting gears a little bit and talking about some autonomous robots. It's a topic we love to get into here on the podcast. Uh, and you had mentioned, you know, that uh, you were kind of interested in like what Fetch is doing with Tag Surveyor. Uh, they've got a partnership with Zebra now, so we've been hearing a lot about that. We we did a marketing campaign with Fetch a few years back too. So obviously these are starting to gain some traction in warehouses. You're starting to see more and more of it happening. There's more discussion about it and how it can, again, help out with labor issues, help improve productivity and getting more out the door every day. But how do, how do these robots fit into the RFID picture? Yeah, yeah great. it's a great question. Well, you know, um, I'm going to begin by saying, you know, if, if you want to get people's uh, eyebrows raised, right? Talk about autonomous robots. They, they're uh, all right. Tell me more. I, the right. People love something <laughs> as cool as an autonomous robot going around yep. doing inventory counts in their warehouse. Um, they are in fact uh, a powerful addition to the RFID data capture hardware world. Right. Mm -hmm. But from our perspective, you know, yes, this is incredibly powerful technology, very sophisticated, but it's just another data collection stream as far as we were concerned, because that's where it all comes back to the cloud and making sure all this data gets coalesced mm -hmm. in, a, in a meaningful way. So let me just clarify a couple of things on, um, so A to B tracking, you know, we began partnering with Fetch Robotics over a couple of years ago now, because, and by the way, Fetch was recently, as you stated, acquired by Zebra. Mm -hmm. uh, technologies over the past, I don't know, a couple months. Um, they, they actually did something pretty amazing with this innovation. So they took their, their market leading sensor based robots, which were basically like an, a 
a highly intelligent platform on wheels <laughs> mm-hmm. that can, you know, move materials around in a warehouse and live in there and just, you know, pick things up and, and, and bring them around the warehouse. They did something smart. They added a, a stack of RFID readers um, on a vertical housing that also angled in such a way that can read RFID tags, not only at the floor level where a lot of pallets live, right. Or boxes mm-hmm. live, mm-hmm. but also 20 feet high on, on some of the higher shelving that you might be seeing in a warehouse. So these RFID tags are being captured in real time as the AMR, the autonomous uh, mobile robot is moving throughout the environment and it's on a schedule and it's on a virtual rail system that gets defined by simply using the Wi-Fi signal, which is pretty Hmm. awesome. That's pretty cool. Totally. But you got to have strong Wi-Fi. That's number one, Mm -hmm. because what's happening is that it not only is being directed via the Wi-Fi, but the data is being captured and then fed back in semi real time back to the cloud. Mm -hmm. It's buffering it a little bit on the robot, but ultimately most of the data is moving pretty quickly back through the internet to the cloud where wherever it happens to go. So we've mm-hmm. gone to the full extent of taking those AMRs and all that data capture and integrating it directly into the A2B platform. So, and so the, the question is, where do you apply these things, right? So they're really being applied from, um, from our experience into higher volume environments where things are constantly moving with mm-hmm. a certain amount of frequency. This is not a technology for every warehouse yet, but when you come across customers that have a need, right, that could be daily or weekly updates of inventory by location, this is very powerful. When you need much more of a real-time count as to what's going on in your inventory. Um, These AMRs, by the way, they all, it's really cool, these bases that are just, you know, uh, roaming around the warehouse, these AMRs at the end of their cycle, they go back, plug themselves in, right? They roll right up onto a charging base station. And, uh, you know, ultimately it literally is no humans involved whatsoever. Yeah. And what's really nice is that the, for these AMRs, the coffee breaks for these guys are really <laughs> short. So, you know, you don't have to worry about them, you know, <laughs> hanging out too long in the coffee but yeah. what about the, the smokers? Do they still go outside for <laughs> amounts of time? <laughs> I, I think it, there might be a few of them still in the mix, but not okay. many these days. <laughs> but it's it, it actually the technology is remarkably affordable too, because people think ah oh, autonomous robot, man, this might be so expensive, and you know I won't get into all pricing nuances here, but it it, it is much more affordable than you'd expect. And what we're finding is that you know it is not the sole answer. It's not the silver bullet, but right. it is another technology to apply yep. to an environment. And we go in and we mix and match, you know, robots with fixed readers, with mobile readers. And it's that combination that creates the powerful picture and lets organizations to be, you know, become That's extremely it. effective. That's it. Yep. And as a solution integrator, as a reseller of these technologies, you know, adding RFID to your tech stack is is an important piece. I mean, it can be a valuable piece of that equation uh, there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and yep. you, right. I mean, just think of a Roomba. I guess uh, those have come down in cost, <laughs> but now we got fixed readers on them, and uh, you know, you're just zooming around warehouses. To your point. Okay, so I need a Roomba at home then that can find my son's toys, whatever he's <laughs> bugging me. Daddy, where's my Batman? Like, I don't know. I'm not keeping track of your stuff. <laughs> Pete's got an Ask answer the for you. Yeah, we just tag <laughs> yeah. it up and, you know, there you go. I like it. I like That's right. It. I can't climb stairs yet, though, so I'm, so, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> we'll need one per floor. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you at least tell me it's not on this floor, that would give me a good start, too. So, <laughs> uh, Well, thanks so much, Pete. I feel like we've got a nice, good dive into RFID and why it can be useful here. Um, we'll get back to you in a moment to tell everybody about how A to B tracking can actually help them out, too, in particular. But uh, first, as always, I do want to thank our Tech Connect sponsors, Datalogic, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, Intel, and Zebra 
Thank you so much for your support for the show. We could not do this without you. We were glad to have you on board this year. Uh, hey, if you want to reach out to us, first of all, if you like the show, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just tell us what you like about the show. It helps us you know, build the audience, let other people know about us. Uh, if you're on YouTube, hit that like button. Hit that, as the kids say, smash that subscribe smash button. Smash the subscribe button. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe to our channel so you're not missing out on these episodes or all the other cool video content that we do here at Blue Star. And finally, if you do want to reach out to us at any time, let us know what you think of the show, have questions or topics that you're interested in hearing more about. You can find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, well, hey, let's wrap things up, starting first of all with our value to the VAR. This is kind of where we like to present some sort of a, a takeaway for our, our audience that they can maybe go out and do something with today related to our topic. And in particular, I want them to learn a little bit more about you and, and A to B tracking and how you can help. So tell them a little bit more about how you help VARs with that implementation piece and getting RFID to their customers in a solution that actually works for them. Well, yeah. So if you've been listening so far, you can hear the dependency we have on the success of all this stemming from our uh, A to B tracking asset management and inventory control platform in the cloud. And what we do is we continue to invest in that heavily uh, to provide VARs a significant advantage in delivering RFID projects with the fastest possible time to value and predictable success. So I'll add that our common sense approach to RFID really um, you know, enables these companies that we work with to solve the business problems, right? And the, and the software already ties nicely into mobile readers. Um, powerful, there's powerful Android app we have available that, that makes mobile readers uh, work and, and perform functions that leverage the technology. We've also certified to our, our whole platform to many of the Zebra and Impinge uh, technologies, basically to enable these as internet devices that get connected through to the platform. So it's really about the packaged approach in, in being able to know that you're gonna get the success out the other side for the customer. Um, and the other thing I'll add too, is that this platform really helps enable um, successful and powerful proof of concepts. Because a lot of companies are like, wow, I could see this in so many areas, but I want to start here. Right. And when I know I can see the results, I'm then going to scale. And this yep. lets you get to a POC very, very efficiently. Yeah, I can vouch for Pete and his company. I mean, we've they've been a great partner of ours. Uh, and the fact that they have advanced RFID specialists, Zebra specialists as well, with mm -hmm. the integration that they're doing there, uh, easy for our other resellers to become involved in. Uh, get to know what they can do and, and put that mix into your tech stack in a, in a very meaningful, deliberate and uh, in good way. Yeah. Yep. And I know also you guys uh, do a lot of great work with government contractors mm -hmm. where your, your, your processes and your technology is very beneficial and built with, you know, with government contractors in mind and their particular needs. And, you know, obviously specificity is even more important for them than a lot of other industries. You can't mess up a government contractor. You <laughs> might be losing out on a lot of money. So uh, definitely that's something to consider and keep in mind. We just had an episode about government last week. So yeah, you know, if, yeah. If you, Listen to that one. Stuck around for this one. Uh, again, uh, A to B someone to reach out to on that front as well. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up with our favorite segment of each week. What's Tech Connecting with you? This is where we get to talk about something in the world of science, innovation, technology that has caught our eye, has our attention. It could be something inspirational that leads to the future of humanity or something that could doom us all or just you know drag us back to the dark ages. Who knows? But uh, Pete, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting with you right now? <laughs> well, you know, I, you um, re really for us, it's it's constantly. I mean, I know this doesn't need to be about the work environment, but it's about these these connected devices. I, I'm fascinated by um, the use of these things that are sensors, right? That are mm -hmm. that are now being mm -hmm. able to be attached to the internet and provide interesting data um, flowing back through. And I, I think AMRs is one of the the thing that I like the most. But I'm going to just totally tangent off that for a moment, and I'm going to, and I'm actually going to talk about another innovation. So this earlier this week, um, I, you know, am in, a, in an area of the country where I was waking up to to minus ten degrees, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And 
with highs <laughs> of getting to zero for the day. Right. I mean, freezing, right? Yeah. And, and uh, one of the things I try and do during the wintertime and the, you know, the shorter daylight hours and the longer, you know, darker hours is I always make sure I got to get outside and just get like a walk or, you know, some form of yep. exercise in. So I, I don't right. feel so claustrophobic, you know, I was going out there in minus five degrees, maybe minus eight degrees and clothing technology has become unbelievable now. Yeah. I was yeah. totally comfortable with the synthetics and the layers that I had on there that to me, honestly, I believe that's an incredible innovation because I remember if I, if I was thrown onto a chairlift when I was a kid, all I had was some wool mittens on and my hands would be frozen. Like, you know, getting the first third of the way up the chair lane. Right, right. It was a miserable experience. Now, now you can kind of stay up for hours in these cold temperatures. And they even have now, um, you know, built-in heaters to gloves, to right. boots. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've got a really... A Creature comforts. Yes. Skiing yeah. with, yep. with, with hand warmers and, and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that's that's what's getting me going because, man, it's a survival thing for me right now, guys. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it. I'm with you on the clothing technology because, you know, I'll go out on my walk or my run in the morning, and I, and I agree with you. I've got some technology, you know, that you can pick up anywhere, uh, uh, but what it what it real what I realized, Pete, is what what part of my body is exposed, right? So there's still areas when I go on my walk or what my cheeks or whatnot are are exposed, and I come back from a cold. And of course, only people in cold weather understand what I'm we're talking right, about here. Right. But you come back and it's like your cheeks are frozen. So I'm very now I'm hyper aware of what is exposed, and I'm like, oh, I need a little piece of technology for my cheeks or something. Like that. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I might need to tap. I might need to tap you guys on some of this technology and this clothing because I'm I love to go for walks, but I'm not a cold weather guy. At all. Yes, so I've I been hear stuck you. on my I've been stuck on the elliptical for the last couple of months and I'm ready to get outside. So if you can tell me something that I can do that. Here's the first thing I, you I need to buy freeze. a balaclava. It's, it's one of okay. those things that yeah. that was the first thing that I invest. They can be paper thin and it'll make a dramatic difference on your <laughs> your overall warmth of your head. So there, you got, you got my, a good point. The face is the is yes, a critical part there. You can be covered up everywhere you. else. But if this is getting cold, you're like, nope, I'm done. I'm going back home. So. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. All right. Well, here's what's tech connecting with me. Uh, yep. So, right, we all use batteries. Are, are you are you getting sick and tired of charging your batteries? I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I don't want to sound like a first world problem uh, that, I, that I got here, but uh, but here's one that's kind of connecting to what uh, to what we were talking about here. Here's the headline: Samsung debuts remote that recharges via radio frequency emitted by wireless internet routers. So. Right. So Samsung's, you know, they got their scientists over there and they're figuring, well, here's a device, a remote that's, that obviously takes very little energy to operate. Uh, but somehow they've come up with technology where they can recharge that just by the radio frequencies that are flying around everybody's house right now uh, through Wi-Fi. I don't know if you had wow. heard about this, Pete. But, you know, we were just talking about the, the need for good Wi-Fi and the space and stuff like that. Who knew that there's enough energy behind that to recharge a battery. I mean, I, I, so I was reading, you know, of course they're coming at it by, you know, 99 million AAA batteries are, are thrown away every seven years and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about other technologies and it's just fascinating what is happening right now. And as far as energy and renewable energies, you know, the other thing that they're working on is, okay, that remote is sitting in an environment around a TV where there's audio energy, right? So they're going to try to harness just the audio energy to recharge the battery as well. That's cool stuff. That, that That's the kind of stuff that we all need. You know, who needs to plug it in? Uh, we just have it sit here and it's recharging off of audio and it's recharging off your Wi-Fi signal. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, well, that you know, I'll, cool. I'll say that um, you, you will have already, by the time I mention this, when I get back to my house uh, at the end of the day today and my teenagers who need to be, have all of their batteries recharged for their Xbox. Yes. So, I mean, you, you just totally made their day right there when I tell them this news. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. I look like the hero walking there you in. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Except they're going to expect you to buy it as soon as right. it's <laughs> going to cost like $2,000 or something. Yeah. yeah. What's oh, tech connecting with cool. you, John? 
So uh, I, I'm going to go back to space again. We talked about oh, yeah, uh, okay. the, uh, the James Webb telescope a couple episodes ago. Um, so here's another one that came across. Uh, scientists found an exoplanet with a 16-hour year. What? So it's, it's, it's so close to its star that a year, oh, only, a revolution around that star only takes 16 hours. It's a doomed gas giant. They call these things hot Jupiters because it's a very similar to Jupiter in our solar system. Uh, but obviously this one, again, is super close to its star. And apparently it's getting slowly closer and closer. So eventually it's it's probably going to get consumed, consumed. or fall into this, this star at some point. 855 light years away in the Hercules constellation. Uh, I just thought hot Jupiters was a cool sounding term. Right? Too. Like, I, feel like, I feel like that should be a drink. There's some kind of drink maybe that you can make called a hot Jupiter. I don't know. Probably not 16. a good, probably not a good real estate investment yet, though. No, yeah, no, really no I'm thinking not. Yeah. And also, I would think um, if you're in the world of business and you're on a plane with a 16-hour year, that's a lot of pressure <laughs> to get stuff done every year. You know, did you meet your sales goal? Like, look, I only had 16 hours, but did you meet it? Like, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. So. How did one go for you? Well, it just happened. <laughs> what? Yeah. That was six hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good. All right. Well, hey, that does it for us today. Uh, Pete Collins, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us. We Pete. appreciate having you on. Thanks, guys. Uh, until next time, for Dean Reverman, I'm John Martin. And um, watch out for the energy flowing around you. Yes. You know, Harness it. Hopefully, it's only charging your stuff and not, you know, zapping our brains or something. So, <laughs> and as always, please stay connected. Tech Connect podcast is brought to you by Elo. Need large, eye-catching, interactive digital signage for anything from endless aisle to collaborative meetings, conferencing, and whiteboarding? Look no further than Elo's 4K 65-inch interactive touchscreen display, the 6553L. It's sleek and slim, but built for continuous use. Available with either PCAP or infrared touch technologies, the professional-grade large-format display delivers captivating digital experiences in public places and engaging communication in the enterprise. Choose either a ELO Windows computer module or Android backpack to transform the display into a powerful 65-inch all-in-one life-size tablet. I mean, I like my iPad, but it's not 65 inches. That's pretty cool. And with ELO's Edge Connect platform, simply add or remove peripheral accessories to create a custom solution that is flexible enough to adapt to changing needs. Now, ELO also has your back with a standard three-year warranty and complimentary advanced unit replacement. That's peace of mind for your customers who simply need their signage technology to work. Contact your Blue Star representative to learn more. The TechNet Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. Hey, we just spent an entire episode talking about RFID, but of course, to put together the best solution, you have to have the best-in-class hardware. Introducing the RFD40 UHF RFID SLED, Zebra's latest flexible RFID offering with superior read performance. Compatible with the latest and future Zebra mobile computers, the RFD40 delivers industry-best read performance at 1,300-plus tag reads per second, an optimized read range, and an increased 7,000 mAh battery capacity that decreases time spent on cycle counting and inventory. Workers can change the sled and mobile computer at the same time and easily switch between different Zebra devices. The state-of-the-art RAIN RFID sled has durable drop specs, optimal battery performance, and a superior ergonomic design that you've come to expect from Zebra. Check out the link in the show notes for more info on this budget-friendly, future-proof solution. 